0: Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins.
1: This is Shirley Manson.
0: This is Low Torrest, Commander of the Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits
2: with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey
0: Lewis, Modern English, and more keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Hey everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified?
3: We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup.
4: Call 423 667 7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.
5: The UK ska punk scene has had a lot of interesting bands over the past two decades, and Daniel Pook, or just Pook, has played in a number of them though he really found his voice in Beat the Red Light, where he mixed ska with elements of extreme metal. He's also recently started Pook Out Records, which began in 2019 as a distro to bring U.S. albums to the U.K. But he's since released some of his own albums by artists like Andy B in the World and Rochambeau.
2: I've known Pook for a really long time. Uh, I think the first time I met Pook was 2004.
5: Oh, wow. So this is like going back to the uh, Dessa days?
2: Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, because of social media, we've been able to stay in touch um, ever since. And when I needed horns for the first Omnigon record, Pook was one of the first people I hit up.
5: Nice. I think one of the fun things about uh, talking with with him this time is because um, not only was he part of this... um, UK Scott Punk scene in the mid-2000s. He stayed active, so we were able to cover a lot of ground. We were able to talk about how the UK Scott Punk scene has evolved and changed over the years from kind of its height of that period to the present.
2: The thing also with with Pook is, uh, in addition to his new band, Redeemon, he was also in Beat the Red Light and then ended up a member of, of uh, Lightyear. Oh, yes. And then I also, like didn't even realize that he was also in the filaments. I was actually talking to him online one day. I was like, wait, you're in the filaments. He was like, hi, (laughs) yes. Why don't you tell us um, all the
5: bands you are in and have been in, if you can remember them all. Wow. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Also, I would like to say before you begin, consider that uh, all the people that will be upset if you forget their band name.
1: Well, (laughs) Oh my god, the pressure. The pressure. I, do you know what? I was really nervous. If I wasn't nervous before, I am now. I don't, I don't want to let anyone down now. <laughs> so <laughs> I think the um, very, very first band I was in was a um, band at school, mm. secondary school, so I'm guessing that's your high school, and we were called Stagnate, but that was end with a with a number 8. Oh, okay. Yeah, very punk rock that. That was um we we had one song and, and we played the school talent show. How did you do? We uh, we were awful. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to lie. What did you play in that band? I played um bass guitar. We well, we opened up with um the classic of uh, smells like teen spirit course and um I I was playing bass guitar and vocals very badly um with my school friends Tom Erica and Mike Lee um and then um yeah we had we had a couple of our own I say a couple we had like one maybe two of our own songs and that was pretty much it um and then yeah, we, we slowly uh the three of us slowly like added more and more members and just actually turned into what would have been our first ska band, I guess, scar punk band called Punchbowl. Punchbowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh there's some there's some videos up on the, the old YouTube and um I think maybe even Bandcamp and stuff like that. But yeah, it's all up on there. What years are we talking? Ooh, so Punch Bowl probably started in two thousand like yeah two ninety nine two thousand um we started off as a four piece so I was like sixteen fifteen sixteen um and uh yeah 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 we basically we uh, it was a three three guys to stagnate Mike Lee Tom Erica and I and then a guy that lived down the road from me called Dave Wood and we basically he played uh, guitar and sax and Tom, after going to a couple of Mad Caddy shows, decided to pick up trombone as well as guitar. So we would alternate. So one person would play guitar um, and Dave would play sax and then it would turn the other way around. Dave would play guitar and Tom would play trombone. And we, we kind of worked it that way. Um, but then gradually is more members left. We just got more and more members. By the time... Uh, we split up. I think we were like a ten piece. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty ridiculous. Like trying to fit us on uh we used to play a lot at this um pub called the White Horse. Um I think I actually Desa played there, Adam. I think that was the first time I met you. I think so, yeah. And how we used to fit on that stage, I I have no idea. I have no idea. I think there was times where it felt like there was more people on stage than the audience. <laughs> Always the sign of a good show. Oh god, yeah. Well, it's kind of a good lineup. So
5: the band <laughs> policy was anytime one member quit, you had to get two new members?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> it was, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And even like when uh, there was a couple of times like our one of our trumpet players left, we were like, well, we've got to double up on the horns then. So we got we need more horns. So we just be like, yeah, I think we ended up with four of us as the back line and the rest of us were it was like a six, five, six-piece horn section it was um yeah it was pretty mad so that was that was our that was our first band that was a a lot a lot of fun how good did that six piece horn section sound
2: do you know what actually they uh, towards the end sounded pretty good
1: everybody could play in tune don't don't get don't get me wrong (laughs) (laughs) there were moments when you were like cringy it's like oh god nothing sounds worse than brass clashing oh yeah (laughs) nothing sounds worse than that um but when it, when it's together, it, yeah, man, it, sound, it sounded good. They were, we're only like, oh, God, I think by this point, we're probably like 18, 19. So probably, I don't know, old, old enough to have learned our instruments, but come on, it's a punk band, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, leave, we leave the decent horn sections to uh, to the bigger boys like Link <laughs> <Well>, We <laughs> kept it easy. We just had two. It was easy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, less less is more. Yeah. Less is definitely more sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, so we went from Punch Bowl and then, God, I'm trying to think. Then we had, um, there was a band after that where Bill from Punch Bowl and I started up another band uh, called the Armistice. We pro- man, we probably played like four four maybe five shows. One of them was opening for Streetlight, mm. which was awesome. Uh, like that was amazing it was like their first UK tour um we did like I think we did like an EP we did like like a DIY EP you know like the old slip case and the black and white photoshop cover um we, we did all that and then that actually gradually that was when it started like the the demise of armistice occurred and then we started to venture out into what would have been beat the red light so that first Streetlight
5: um, tour in the UK, what, what kind of rooms, like what size audiences were drawn? Were they drawing?
1: Well, ag- again, that would have been um, oh, I don't know, like they were probably, they were playing the Camden Underworld um, as well as the White Horse. So you're probably looking at the starting the starting point. You're probably looking at under 500 cap, mm-hmm. under 500 cap venues seeing Streetlight. It it was amazing, and they were they were as tight then. As as they were now, like that, those horn sections are just absolutely phenomenal, mm-hmm. <laughs> phenomenal. Um, yeah, they were they were really really uh, hot. Um but yeah, like so we we kind of went from that, um, and then just yeah, it became. I think it, it became apparent some of the guys in the Armistice didn't quite like uh, the the heavier aspect of what half of us wanted to go down and uh, they left and other people joined and yeah we just started off uh, Beat the Red Light and it just um, kind of went off from there really. And then, what year did Beat the Red Light start? What year are we at now? So that would have started 2007. Okay. I remember the first time I tried to explain um, to like Eddie uh, who's in beat the red light, and he was also in the armistice as well um what I kind of thought of what would like, envisioned as like proper heavy metal scar um and we, I remember trying to explain it to Eddie and a few of the other guys they just couldn't really they didn't quite grasp it. I remember having to do this um I went to my friend Mike um who was in stagnate and I used his he's got like a little recording studio um and uh i recorded um sending the clowns which was one of the songs on that first ep um sending it to them and soon as soon as he kind of got it from there it all uh spanned it out so yeah we started we started beat the red light in 2007 and getting um getting that lineup was a bit of a struggle i i i must admit we had um I suppose you for you guys like America. It's probably not a lot. Like for the UK, if you're traveling over an hour, yeah, that 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 seems forever. Yeah, <laughs> actually, in the, in the UK, that seems forever. But like states wise, I'm assuming for you guys, it's like anything anything under like what my right to say like five five hours is seems like a reasonable journey or.
2: Oh, well, well, being in California like just to drive to Southern California is basically the same as driving from like the top of England to the bottom of England. Like when you when you come from California and tour in, in the UK, like none of the drives feel long. That's nuts. You're just like, Oh, this is great. And the weird thing too, is kids, kids will like take the train to shows. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and so you'll see kids at the same shows, like on a run, like for like four shows in a row. Or at least you did back then because it was just like Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the same kids would keep turning up and they're just like, Oh yeah, just hop on the train. Like it's not a big deal.
5: I mean, I've never toured in the East Coast, but the East Coast is a little similar, right? I mean if you favorite- East Coast
2: is similar to, to um UK, where it's like you drive for an hour and you cross like three or four state lines. That's crazy.
5: But yeah, West Coast here. I mean it's like not
2: just California, it's like Oh yeah, the whole West Coast. All the way all the way out to like the Midwest. Yeah. Like it's all long drives that's
1: nuts but yeah we had um our our initial guitarist in uh beat the red light Jonna. he he lived uh in a um city called ipswich which is like two hours away so for us we're like oh my god that's that's forever that's some serious dedication <laughs> like coming once a week to band <laughs> practice to do that and do a gig and he's like oh, i think i'm gonna have to move here guys like it, it's getting a bit of a <laughs> it's a bit of a commute for me but um <laughs> it's okay. so hearing you guys say that it's has like oh okay maybe it's not that far i mean t- two hours to a to a band practice
2: and so that's four hours round trip that's a commitment for sure
1: yeah.
5: Yeah, yeah 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 adam though what's what's the farthest away you lived from the rest of link 80 during the run wasn't there a period of time where you lived really far away from them
2: i mean i lived in sacramento and and uh Gilroy during that time period. So each each way is like that's at least an hour and a half each way. Uh-huh. um not quite as bad. Barry lives a little bit Barry lived a little bit deeper out in the Central Valley, so I think his his commute could be especially if you hit traffic it could be hour 45 to 2 hours.
1: <laughs> that's crazy. It just seems weird for me. For me it's like um I think in the UK where there's where there's bands wherever they're um based it's like they, they, everyone lives within this town, and this town is like if you've got to travel more than half an hour, forty-five minutes to get to band practice. Well, forget it. Yeah, it's just it's not going to happen. It's like herding kittens, and it gets like that.
2: When your guitar player moved, did you all move somewhere together, or
1: did... no, no, no? He 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 moved to Wickham. Okay, he moved to the he moved he moved to the mothership. Okay, so um, yeah, 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 so we did that, and I was like, right, okay, so he's. We're obviously we're gonna we're gonna have to start taking this seriously, and then um, yeah, like it was phenomenal because he his background is like the first time I met Jonet he was in like a like a I suppose kind of skate speed punk band, a bit like kind of like uh, uh the kind the kind of uh skate punky snuff kind of fat wreck sounding bands, um, but he was actually into like his his bread and butter was actually like black metal, like stuff like um dimmu Borgir gear and cradle of filth. Like he but he loved Scar as well. Which for me was like, right, you you know what it's you'll you'll get this. You'll be well into this. Um so yeah like writing with him was just absolutely phenomenal. So um we dropped we went to um recording an EP um we did that all live actually we got um you know, I think i actually Adam, you might be able to clarify this for me. Hmm. Um, Rx Bandit's resignation. Did they they recorded that all live, right? Um, I think so. I think Battle Begun also.
2: Probably everything from that period forward, they recorded live. Um yeah. and I, I think with Battle Begun they tried to do it all in one take.
1: Oh my god. And then I
2: think <laughs> there's like a, a spot right in the middle where there's like a, a fuck up and they leave it in. Oh really? Like a song starts, and then you hear one of them like yell like fuck and then they oh, start yeah, the song yeah, yeah, over yeah, again yeah, yeah, yeah. and i think that's the only edit on the album for the rhythm
1: section Jeez. yeah that's crazy yeah um so yeah anyway we we took massive inspiration from that um and decided we to record that ep live um and i th- i think those kind of recordings like they they give you a vibe they definitely give you a um there's definitely a vibe when you listen to it like there's a, there's an atmosphere to it to the recording. Um so we definitely took massive inspiration on that. Um but then we had um we recorded Salt the Lands as well and that was um oh man that was that was a nightmare. We um basically like I said trying to get eight people together is like herding kittens <laughs> and we'd all booked this time off to the studio. And uh, the studio cancelled on us the night before our first day there. So we had to um, basically engineer, record and find the locations to record it all within like an evening. It was um, pretty nuts, but I was pretty stoked on what the outcome of it was. Where did you end up recording it? So we we were going to record in... um, we were going to record in the studio in uh, the outskirts of High Wycombe, where we're all living from. But we ended up using um, a rehearsal space back in Ipswich, um, where they they literally, we emptied out, um, they had the whole rehearsal space was just completely empty. No one was hiring it at all that week. So we hired it for that week. Um, and yeah, we just recorded it all there. And our um, our other second guitarist, Mike, um he basically took on the job of engineering and recording it. Um, all at the last minute. And um yeah, he uh I'm not gonna lie, like the, the pressure was on for him, but he knocked it out of the park, <laughs> I thought.
5: Do you know why the studio, the original studio, cancelled on you last second?
1: Yeah. <laughs> there there was there was um there was there was a, a real uh our our bass player was in a band with the guy who worked there. And, um, basically he, uh, I don't quite know the ins and outs as why it got canceled, but he kind of, he ran off with a lot of money. None of, not our <laughs> money, but he, he ran off with a lot of money. He was in a lot of debt and upset a lot of people. Um, and yeah, he, he's, he's still to this day, never been around or seen in Wickham since. Um, <laughs> oh, so wow. he, he, yeah, he, he, uh, I think he uh grabbed uh, grabbed a load of gear and just went off with it. But we had um band rehearsal there, and we um the obviously the night before finished it like I think it was like a three till six practice. We're just like making sure everything was all good to go, and then uh, we said to the guy who was there, we're like, uh, "Yeah, you're are you all right if we just leave our gear here?" Because we're coming in tomorrow he was like you are i was like yeah 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 we're we're down for recording here and he was like uh no no you're not and i was like yeah yeah yeah." we spoke to mark and uh yeah he's, he said he's booked us all in and everything and he was like no you're you're not booked in and he tried to ring mark no answer we <laughs> tried to call this guy no answer and then and behold. <laughs> He disappeared. Like our bass player, G went to his flat and he was, he, his he wasn't there. His family wasn't there. They, they'd all gone. <laughs> did a great Houdini and just disappeared. And no, and no one's seen him since. No, no, no. Not as far as I'm aware. Wow. Baby. Uh, yeah. It'd be interesting if, uh, if some of us did see him. <laughs> hey, it might have to have some words. Yeah. Well, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something like something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Can't... <laughs> the horn boys, the brass boys are going to come along and have a little word with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's um, yeah. He, 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 no, no one's seen or heard from him since. um Yeah, I don't know whether it's probably I don't know drug related or something like that. But yeah, he uh, he ended up upsetting a lot of people. So, but I mean, at the at the end of the day, I I think what the the cards we got dealt with uh i i think what what we came out with was something probably a bit more special because of the the uh what mother nature threw at us um i think it, it makes that album a little bit more extra special to us um than like suppose the ep where just we turned up at a studio and it all went really smoothly it was like yeah there was a lot of blood sweat and tears on that like i remember um I remember literally like Mike trying to uh, create a vocal booth Uh, after we did the recording in Ipswich, we did the vocals in his bedroom in Wickham. And it's a, um, it's a terraced house. So (laughs) me trying to shout (laughs) in a terraced house could probably upset a lot of neighbors. So we tried to make this, um, we got like three or four, like mattresses to try and make this vocal booth and it was just like yeah some of the stories just trying to make it all was just absolutely priceless absolutely priceless
2: how was it screaming in a in a booth that's like an basically an insulated room it probably it's got pretty, pretty warm real quick
1: oh yeah it got it got toasty it got toasty um yeah it, it got toasty and warm uh, there was there was beads of sweat it was um no it was good it was it was good it took a lot, it took a lot of adjusting and getting used to as opposed to like when you know you're in a studio and you know everything's properly soundproof and you can really let yourself go as opposed to right it's just not just forget about the names for a sec just get this done yeah half an hour burst and yeah it, it's fine did anyone call and check in on you guys um no, not not on that, but on other recordings, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on, on, on other recordings, yeah, definitely. There's beat times, is, is he all right? Someone someone beating someone up. What's, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, like this? The classic dong of a frying pan or something. It's um no, it, yeah, it, it's uh, it's happened a couple of times, but no, not not on that recording. Yeah,
2: we'll be right back after this.
5: This is probably a dumb question, but um, you said you recorded a ter- ter- terrorist house.
1: A terror? No, no, no. It was our guitarist's house.
5: Oh, your guitarist's house.
2: I'm sorry. A, te-
1: a terrorist house. God, that would have been a story. No, it sounded like you said terrorist
2: <laughs> terrorist's house, like like a like it was like stacked or something.
1: Oh right. Oh okay, yeah. Sorry, a, a terrorist house. Yeah, that's right. A terrorist house. <laughs> no, but <laughs> so I thought you said. I te- <laughs> thought you said we. Yeah, we just. Hooked up with iSIS. <laughs> <laughs> went, hey man.
5: Yeah, I mean they know, your
1: studio.
2: They know how to make media, so
1: that's that's it. <laughs> like, that's
2: it. We, we like you want to use our mics?
1: Yeah, that's it. <laughs> can we can we can we do you mind if you just couple of shares on your Facebook page? Like what's up with that? <laughs> okay, so Salt the Land, how was that received? Um do you know what? I think it was it was weird because I think we were all really um stoked with how hard it was like with the troubles that we were given and like the obstacles that came in our way and how we were so stoked that we actually finished it and got it done um i think it was we were really like wow this is this is gonna like change a couple like turn a couple of heads and whatnot but i think the time where we really um thought yeah man like we've we've kind of found our sound was we um I think it was probably a week after we finished recording um we played a show um at a venue another venue in, in High Wycombe called the Nags Head and we played with I think it was, it was Random Hands and uh the JB Conspiracy um and a couple of others and we played that album from front to back and no one had heard that um had heard the songs at all um apart from us and it was it was amazing to see like the look on everyone's face was like oh my god because I think there were back there were still bands doing doing that. Um but I just think at that point when you're trying to do that in two thousand and seven when Scar was just Scar Scar in the in the UK like died probably in about it picked up a bit in it, it got really big in like 2000 but I think by the time 2005 came along I think it was dwindling and everyone was like hitting the emo um scene then uh in the UK um so it was like really uh I don't know I think I think people were surprised about we were taking this this genre of music that had a um like a always really quirky and goofy kind of thing and actually trying to make it just a bit more serious um, and, and yeah, just a bit darker, like give it a darker element as well. Um, cause I mean like the, the EP for me personally was great. Um, but that was, that was not really a, like a, um scar metal release as opposed to like Salt the Lands, which is a scar metal release or a Metaliscar scar release is uh <laughs> some people like to like to quote it you were saying earlier that it was kind of
5: your vision though to to mix these elements
1: yeah 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 like i i listen to like i freaking love scar but i also love so many different styles man like i i like some of my favorite bands like lamb of god sepultura cradle of filth like really heavy bands um and I wanted to see what it would. I don't know like in my head it just I really wanted to try and push the boundaries on that a little bit there was definitely there's some there's definitely like heavy ska core bands around but I really wanted to go for that metallic edge edge to it really like fast syncopated like horn lines where if you if if you were to play that if you weren't playing that riff on a horn you were playing it on a guitar it it, would, it could basically be a heavy metal riff mm-hmm. um that that was the kind of thing that i i had um thought of and whatnot and it, it was it was amazing the fact that having people like jonna uh, eddie and mike come on board and tim and actually put their own stamp on it as well and actually to become a whole unit team piece and whatnot um so yeah definitely
5: yeah you know, listen, listening to your 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 music and hearing how you blend these styles, and you know, kind of go go from one to another. It's pretty amazing because you really don't think of these two styles as mixing. Is there a moment or a specific song, you know, you had this vision and then you you finally put it together in a specific song, and you and you were able to say like, oh, I can. S- I'm actually making these work and it doesn't sound like I'm taking oil and water and trying to force it to work.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think there was, um, like I said, the first time I recorded "Send in the clowns because no one was trying to, everyone was almost just laughing at me to a degree. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like you, (laughs) you want it, you want like beat downs and like heavy metal. And you want that with like, clown circus ska music like what 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 do you what do you want and it was for me to to actually have that cd and listen to it i was like oh my god like yes this does actually work and stepping it up more and more and more um there's there's i I don't know i've always kind of found like if there's when writing a song if it feels if it feels forced there you just shouldn't write it like, there, there's a reason why it should be, like, you just shouldn't force something. It should just happen kind of naturally. Um, and I just kind of felt like, yeah, at that point when I was recording um, Sending the Clowns, um, hearing, especially hearing the kind of, the, the there's a, it's always kind of like a middle eight bit with, um, like, these horror horn lines, um, like the kind of, like, these really weird, like building up tension to like drop into like a to this beat down um for me it was just like it just makes total sense it just makes absolute absolute total sense and the thing is it's what i found really fascinating was i think it was about 2008 2009 there was a um three-way split I can't remember the third name, the third band. One of them was a band called Kickback UK, but one of the bands on it was uh, the Best of the Worst, and it was Mm. the first time I heard them, and I was like, they they've got it, they they know what it's about, they uh, they've definitely uh, are on the same path of us, kind of thing, which was it was really, uh, yeah, it was really really lovely to hear that, Um, hear another band go that way as well. And it was interesting as well by the fact that I'd never heard of this band, and this band had never heard of us yet. We were both other sides of the pond, just kind of doing our own thing together. I thought, like, creating like a, a very similar uh, sound, as you say. So, um, yeah, no, it was. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think there was ever really a point where um, I really kind of went, oh, I don't know, I don't know if this is gonna work or anything like that.
5: But there was a moment where you, like, when you, when you demoed "Send in the Clowns," you you saw, you could hear it working, like your your brain envisioned it.
1: Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, I I had it in my head, and it was I'm awful at like, um, pretty as, as you can hear right now. I'm I'm not the best at like explaining stuff to a degree. I'm just like, yeah, you, we want this metal bit here, and then it's gonna be like it's gonna be like a scar verse, and then it's gonna be like a metal chorus, and like, oh, I I don't get it, and I'm just like, right, I'm. I'm going to play you this riff and then it's going to go into this scar bit and this riff and all of a sudden he's just like, dude, I, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Just, just In the end, that was when I was just like, look, I'm going to make a little demo, show it to you. It will all make sense then. Um, because I think the other thing we were, a lot of um, what people wouldn't quite understand is where you've got, it's quite intricate in the sense of where you have kind of, A really intricate thrashy guitar part but then you've got a different horn melody on top and there's also that where you're trying to find the balance of for the listener of okay what am I listening to am I listening to the horn line am I listening to the guitar line um or or am I just listening to the whole thing as one whole piece um per se um and I think that is where a lot of people um like initially from the armistice into beat the red light didn't quite get what i was going for um regarding with sounds of that but uh they got it in the end and that's all that matters <laughs>
5: so what was your thoughts behind it was it about creating a um like a like a sound where everything blends together and you're just taking it in or was you did you feel like you were focusing on you wanted people to focus on different parts at different parts of the song
1: I wanted to take the listener for, on a journey um, where they, w- they weren't, they didn't know what to expect next. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean, it takes for me some of my favorite albums are the ones that I didn't get first time. Mm-hmm. I'll listen to it. If, if if For me, if if I get an album first time, I'm just like, okay, that was good. Then after the second, third listen, I, I just get a bit not bored of it, but I'm like, okay, let's I'll, I'll go and listen to something else. But, if I've, if I didn't quite get the first listen, but there's something that kind of grabs me on it, then, uh, um, yeah. And eventually I get more and more into it. And then before I know it, it's like, yeah, one of my favorite, favorite albums. Like, um, I'm trying to think like, uh, hot stove, Jimmy, um, theme for a major hit was a big one for me. Um, like I was like, wow, this sounds like Jesus lizard, like nirvana in utros and steve albini stuff but gone scar like who who does that (laughs) like it's really really uh really really bizarre sounding and it it just took a few listens to work out like where where it was going what it was doing and what part was coming next and i just yeah i just find it more fat like just really fascinating and interesting
5: so you mentioned a little bit ago that some of your later recording sessions uh people were concerned neighbors and they called or
1: they checked in on you Oh yeah when um yeah doing vocals Let's hear about this <laughs> So um this was actually quite uh this was actually quite recent we were um I was doing the uh vocals for the Redeemer release and um yeah we we uh made the choice like alad uh our guitarist has uh, rec- recorded it took on recording duties and he's um he's got a a studio in um <laughs> in his living room um he's got all all the gear there but uh we didn't um we did we didn't make we didn't have a mic booth should we say so I was just doing it. Basically, everyone had to keep everyone who was in the room just had to keep quiet while I was doing it there. And um, <laughs> yeah, there was the um, this couple from downstairs. Uh, basically, they, they yeah they ended up knocking knocking on the door upstairs because uh, Alan lives there with his girlfriend Becky. And they pre- they knocked on the door to make sure that everything was okay and uh yeah that was the time where we were just like maybe we should uh <laughs> find a studio to to do this because we, we were doing it on a, on a shoestring budget like because that we i i um the Redeemer recording was like we spent like six five six years trying to for like i'd spent five six years trying to make this recording happen one way or another uh so we were trying to towards the end of it we were just trying to do it on a on a not a budget but yeah just trying to save money where we could and uh yeah <laughs> we ended up upsetting out its neighbors yeah recording
2: loud screamy vocals like in a <laughs> residential area is so stressful i mean it, it must be worse doing it in a van or something adam i mean i don't know what the van what was, was great doing it with vantana row was awesome because we would just meet at a parking lot somewhere
1: it's, that's what i mean it's like you meant just walking past in, a, in like you just in a car park you hear this ruffle,
2: <laughs> i mean the van already looks totally crazy so nobody's parking near that van <laughs>
1: <laughs> just these screeching tires she burns off into the sunset yeah she, like duct taped up
2: yeah and that was actually <laughs> one of my favorite ways to record vocals i i highly recommend doing it in a in a van
1: <laughs> doing it in a van in a car park yeah
2: in a van in a car park you just park <laughs> at the far side of the parking lot and you know and then if you have to go to the bathroom you just walk into the grocery store and, that's it yeah
1: brilliant yeah brilliant. buy yourself a snack while you're in there <laughs> but yeah le- lessons lessons were definitely learn from there yeah don't don't do vocals then and even now like there's been times where um i've done the odd bit of uh like demo vocal takes now and and before i even do it now i, I always give the neighbors a heads up kids uh, it's um <laughs> it's, it, it, <laughs> yeah if you hear someone shouting no one's having an argument it's me doing vocals. It's me. It's me trying to sing, <laughs> trying to sing. I'm like, I oh, know. <laughs> Especially when you're trying to do like the, the death metal pig squeals. <laughs> oh god.
2: Yeah, I, I when I try to record things at home now, I try to like make sure I know exactly what I'm about to do. Get everything set yeah, up, yeah, yeah. and then I try to keep it to like 15 minutes tops like get it get it banged out as quick as possible just so that the neighbors are bust
1: your vocals. Man.
2: That too, you know, you also don't want to you know, totally wreck your voice. No. But you know, my my neighbors, you know, the house next to us is right there and they're in their side yard a lot. So I always worry <laughs> yelling some something in here, they're going to be like, <laughs> "Oh, what's happening? Oh gosh."
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't do it um oh, I, mean, I mean, it's probably been even worse now since uh covid and everyone had to kind of like come to a bit of a standstill yeah there. um i remember like the beat the red light days my technique like I'd, I'd give myself a headache i genuinely would give myself a headache from like straining too hard because i didn't know what i was doing yeah but just uh, just towards the um end of that and the start of redeeming like i had it i had it dialed down like i i kind of learned to use your diaphragm your stomach and then um i had a voice of leather and then um <laughs> and then uh, after after that it's just yeah now it's just i don't know i do about pff, 10 15 minutes it's just more like <laughs> like a little squeak as opposed to like this guttural death shout but i mean even even redeeming it it's kind of we've gone a bit more melodic with that as opposed to um uh, beat the red light anyway so uh, yeah <laughs>
2: The headache from screaming is always disconcerting. Oh, it's the worst. I always feel like I'm about to, like,
1: have an aneurysm or something. It, 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 it hurts like the, the, I don't know, like, it started to hurt, like, the bottom of my back. Oh, wow. Okay, there's there's going to be all these vocalists just, like, rolling their eyes going, oh, my God, what's he doing? Yeah. Like, how is he hurting <laughs> himself like this? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's punk rock, isn't it? <laughs> is there warm-up techniques? um do you know what at, at first uh, at first there was never at first there was never but then um who was it someone introduced me the a um there was like a youtube technique video um and it was like warm ups and uh yeah i i i do that for about phew, 10 minutes 10 minutes and and that is pretty much it
5: is it singing warm-ups or does it warm-up specific to screaming um yeah it's warm-up specific uh, specifics for screaming and really what's a
2: screaming warm-up like yeah you should send this video to me poke <laughs>
5: yeah
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i have yeah, i have yeah.
2: singing warm-ups like but i don't know how much they help with sc- i mean it helps a little bit you at least get your voice warmed up but
5: yeah just kind of give us a brief explanation of how one scream
1: Oh God, right. Well there was the the one that I can remember was um it was called Big Face Little Face. So <laughs> Right. I can't believe I'm on a podcast saying this. Right, so, <laughs> you, you, so you basically Right. I tell you what, I'm going to tell you, you guys, you guys, I can't see you, but you guys have got to try this. You've got to really squish up your face. So, like, really close your eyes and smush in your lips and do all that. And then all of a sudden you need to release and open your eyes and your mouth as wide as you can. And it was like big face, little face. You have to do that for like... Big faces like one, two, three, or oh, five little face, one, two, three, and you're like warming up, you're stretching your face to do it. That's like one example. <laughs> wow, okay, <laughs> so that's that was one of them. Then I'm trying to remember what. There was a oh god. Do you know what? Like the more the more of these I'm thinking, I'm just like, oh, they've probably just been mugging me off with this video and just watching me in the background. Just doing it's going. What is this idiot doing? Look, he's
2: doing the warm-ups. He thinks they're working.
1: <laughs> Quick, someone get the camera. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing big face, little face again.
2: Can
5: you think of any other?
1: Um, there was one where you were, oh god! Do you know what? Because it's, it's been so long. It's been like a couple of years since I've done it now. But there was one where you were using the back of your throat, going like like you're gradually getting louder and louder and louder. Um, I'm trying to think what else there was. There, there was a there was a fair few little exercises on it, and it made you look absolutely crazy and bonkers. But it it did work. Nice. Yeah.
4: You can (laughs) scream longer and louder. (laughs) Yeah.
2: In Defense of Ska will return in a moment.
0: Hey, everybody. It's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified?
3: We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup.
4: Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.
5: Once Beat the Red Light got out there, people heard you. People saw you live. They heard the records. Were you getting any um, interest from metal fans who maybe otherwise weren't that into ska?
1: do you know what like yeah we um it it was so bizarre because the for us the diy punk scene in the uk is so much stronger than any other music scene in in the uk as far as far as i'm i'm concerned um so with with that in mind you get you just get so much more support from that scene So when you're playing like a heavy metal show, like we played, we put on a night um, with a band called Almeida um, and another band called Divine Chaos. Um, Divine Chaos are getting really, if you're into heavy metal, definitely should check those guys out. Um, And we played with them and it was, it was really, it was really bizarre because it was, the thing I found interesting is they'd have one look at us warming up the brass, <laughs> and they'd be like, "Oh, yeah oh god what 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 are we in for um and then yeah we'd we'd basically we'd we'd start off with like um like a thirty second grind core song with it and it would kind of turn them around but um yeah it it never i think we got we got a few we never got mocked for it let's put it that way it was heavy heavy metal um the heavy metal scene i find is very much um there it's it's not cool to show emotion or feeling so if you're not getting mocked you're clearly doing something good. <laughs> That's the way I kind of uh I kind of saw it as. Um yeah, I think I think there was definitely points that we had a few people turn around going like, holy like holy moly, I was not expecting like that, you guys to be playing that. I was expecting like like real big fish, Hawaiian shirt, pork pie hat, cheesy scar. And then getting that, it, it's like, well, dude, like there, there are more. There's more to Scar than just like what you, <laughs> what everyone seems to think that Scar is, which is just cheesy, goofy, badly dressed Hawaiian shirt, skanking. Like, there's there's more to it than that. Um, so yeah, and I think after a while, it was, um, yeah, we did get, we slowly did see, especially towards the end of it. There was uh certainly a lot more sort of mop haired looking um bullet belt wearing battle battle vest <laughs> jackets out. Um yeah, it was um it was quite a nice surprise actually towards the end of it with that. Nice. Um yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think that was the great thing about um playing that style of music is theoretically you can you can easily worm your way. Like we've got um we, we've we got redeeming have got like a show coming up and we're playing with literally the only way I can describe it is like a load of uh Ronnie James Dio um type bands like it skid row like get get your spandex on it's 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 literally like all those bands and then there's us so that's gonna be a real interesting <laughs> one you not, you're
5: not even playing um, their style of metal let alone adding ska
1: Oh, God, yeah. No, there, there's, there is a part of me that wants to, like, really holy diver it and, get, and air-fist it while uh, while going for it, yeah, while bringing out the trombone. Maybe get some pyrotechnics, get some uh, flamethrowers coming out. I just don't catch your hair on fire. Well, a bit too late on that, mate, being ginge.
5: <laughs> <laughs> so conversely, like, the ska scene, like, my, my experience with the ska scene, at least here in the U.S., is that, you know, everyone has their own individual taste and everything, but generally speaking, most ska fans are accepting of a band taking the music in a totally unique direction and mixing elements that hadn't been mixed in it before. And they don't like, then they're they're usually they're usually interested in it. Like, oh, that's different. Let's hear more. A lot more open minded.
1: Yeah, a lot more open minded. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and that that's amazing because I think. Um, there's so many other genres where they're literally like, I'll only listen to heavy metal and heavy metal only, and everything else is is rubbish. And it's like, come on, mate! Like, there's more to it than that. Surely, like, mm-hmm. so many different, so many different colors out there, man. You just got to um, you just got to play with it, mix and match, and see what works. Um, like there was one of the, I remember going back to actually. <laughs> this involves you a little bit, Adam. So Let's hear it. I had, I had, so I was at college and, uh, one of my friends, um, called Chris was, a was a metal head. Like if it literally, if it wasn't Max Cavalera, forget it. Um, and, uh, there, there was some, there was elements of him. He, he liked, he liked the odd bit of, um, scar. Like he was, Oh, it's all right anything with a horn in he was like nah hates it hates it <laughs> so i played him the beginning of uh the struggle continues <laughs> so it's got this full-blown like obviously <clears throat> this kind of do me intro and he's, he's nodding. I'm like, this is Scar, mate. You're loving it. Then he just heard the horns go, And he literally just threw the headphones off, looked at me, <laughs> shook his head, and just walked down. The, and he wouldn't speak to me for three days. <laughs> but it's that kind of, like, I love it. We still laugh about it now. But it's that kind of mentality. You just, oh, it's just unbelievable can't like yeah so go back to like the heavy metal scene and whatnot it's uh there's there's some open-minded people out there but um yeah (laughs) some. i just
2: i feel like using horns in that way like i i don't understand why more bands like some of these even just straight up just metal bands who have like you know symphonic arrangements why not have a horn section that's doing that sort of thing it doesn't have to be all like you know, goofy happy sounding, like you can use it to affect.
1: Yeah. Like I I I I a hundred percent agree. Like you can't you can't say like like your old band, Voodoo. Um I could kind of see people going, Oh, it's a bit clowny, but like but it's not. It's like maniac y like kind of blue meanies. Yeah. It, it's very but it's very frantic at the same point um it's just yeah it's not it's not history it's what you do with it um and i just yeah i just find it such a shame when people really limit themselves to just one style of one style of playing and one style of music and one one genre
5: let's change gears a little bit um so you you played in light year for a little while (laughs)
1: <laughs> i was waiting for this <laughs> yeah, a
5: you know we love to talk about light here do i do i need even need to ask a question or
1: ah, oh, what light year stories yeah okay you you know where we're going yeah no so basically um it started back uh 2019 um i got asked uh by Chaz um to fill in on the real big fish tour um it was uh Lightyear, uh real big fish sponge and lightyear um i I've known chads for years absolute sweetheart and um yeah it was um basically an offer I just could not refuse and then since then um lightyear have done like the odd um the odd show here and there um and then yeah they've just asked me to jump on when needs be and yeah so I, I wouldn't say i wouldn't say i'm a i'm a member but there's been yeah i've i've filled in and um play for them a lot a lot but um let me just jump in real quick how i remember them back in the day
2: completely unhinged <laughs> how how have they aged <laughs> like i feel like they've pulled back slightly but not really
1: i <laughs> okay <laughs> I, I think I think he has. I, I think I think they have. I think they have. I think they have. I think they've um I've had like some really great chats with them about it. Um and just like I look looking back and he was like, Yeah, do we half the stuff that they did, there's no way they could get away with doing that now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like some of some of them some of them have got like they've got families, they've grown up, yeah. there's social media. Like, do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> Like back in there, back in the day, they got away with murder. But I, one of the things I found, like, so obviously, there's the whole nudity thing, and looking, I had a, I had a really, um, lovely chat with Chaz and Neil, um, one time, uh, a few years back about it, and that, and they were like, well, it's a bit, it's a bit like just sticking the two fingers up at the bullies, like they were, those guys were like, as as we all kind of were um like being brass worn players and stuff like that you get you, you kind of get a bit bullied at school and um there was points where you kind of they're not um they could they could knock you down and you feel like i don't know like you you don't have any value in yourself and what not and Chaz and Neil, from what I could work out back then, when, it, when they were like running around naked, it was them almost making us like, "This is who we are," and if you don't like us, then you can do one kind of thing. Am I allowed to swear on this? I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't you know if swear. I'm allowed. To swear. Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, they basically you can fuck off if you don't if you don't like it, fuck off. Um, but I think with doing that to the ska punk meat community, where everyone else has been like not say everyone but a lot of people there have been bullied for listening to a certain genre of music and whatnot it's like yeah freaking proud of proud of listening to Scar and this is what we're into and this is our family and so be it and um I don't, I don't, I don't know if that works really with with the um Gigi Allen side of things however <laughs> but, um <laughs> like but yeah, with with the nudity and stuff like that, I think it was a, a bit of a you from there. But Chaz and um, Neil, oh my god! Like, oh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think what I'm trying to think of a, of a of a story that's not gonna be too okay. He, here's one. So all right, okay so we're I'm in Brighton this is before um before I'm in the filaments um which is another band I'm in um before before I was in the filaments um it was like a household name bash thing going on there was filaments played light year um cap down I think it was five knuckle as well um all playing in Brighton and I was chatting to the old filaments bass player John um trying to look <coughs> uh, just trying to just chat to them and then um chatting to john and uh all of a sudden the stage manager went up to john and said have you seen the Lightyear guys we were like well no so we had to go searching for them and um we searched the venue nowhere to be found we thought oh we're going to go and check their van as we approached the van you could hear this muffled giggling So we slowly walked towards this thing. We're like, oh, God, what are we going to walk into? (laughs) So basically what they'd done is that they'd stolen. We'd opened the door and we saw uh, Chaz and Neil with uh, Jim's drumsticks. (laughs) 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 Sticking them up each other's butt just giggling away <laughs> and jim had no idea because he had to play with those sticks It was like literally we opened this door and we were just like oh holy shit and they just shut the door like oh, you're on in five mate we're on in five just <laughs> left them to it but that's uh one of the many did they make it on stage in time oh god yeah yeah they were um very professional yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I don't know about professional. I know tarpauling was involved in that actual show. They were prompt. Yeah, they were. They were prompt. But um, yeah, I remember in the middle of Blindside, they got uh, they had a picnic in the middle of Blindside and got yeah. the tarpauling out. That was pretty. Um, that was pretty special. There was a lot of people crying in the audience. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they
2: they would bring yeah. out a whole table and set it and have a meal, right? And like read the paper. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and, love then, that. and then, and uh, then Neil would wash his hands um, <laughs> in urine, and and his face, and um, yeah. Some <laughs> the people um, who weren't jaw dropped in shock uh, were probably like heaving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was pretty gnarly. But I remember seeing them the next day as <clears> they <throat> so entered into the punker bunker um there was a lot of uh hango- uh like hungover faces a lot of sorry faces but um yeah i, I, I gotta admit like i still remember that show
3: yeah <laughs>
1: might, not, might not be for the right reasons but i remember that show it was, a, <laughs> yeah, it was a blinder and then the filaments how does that line up with beat the red light so basic oh god so i joined the filaments probably about 12 years ago um so yeah i joined them about 12 years ago um and it was literally um ian and pete their old trumpet and sax player uh left uh for different reasons um like traveling and getting like settling down and stuff like that and then they they needed a horn player so i went in with that um and I, I managed to do them both at the same time. Like filaments only really kind of play um, like a small handful of shows. Like we, it, a lot of them would be in like um, mainland Europe and you just kind of juggle a lot of them. And to be fair, like a, a lot of the um, Scar shows in the UK, we, like both bands would be playing together. So it wasn't really that much of a of an issue, jugu- uh, like juggling the two bands. Um, it made it lovely um, having Eddie join the band as well. So when Eddie, <clears throat> Eddie was in Beat the Red Light, and um, we we decided, I managed to talk them into um, expanding the horn section. Um, so yeah, and we managed to uh, get Eddie on board with that. Um, so yeah, it just it just made it having two two of the bands, uh, two of the members from Beat the Red Light to join filaments it just yeah made life a lot easier um once that happened juggling both the bands but yeah no it was it was fine it was fine and then if one if one band had if one band had a show and the other band was like hey can we jump on it it made it nice and easy so yeah no it was good like that definitely and then i saw footage from the
2: most recent filaments show
1: oh well the random hand one
2: yeah was random was joe from random hand playing bass
1: is he in that band no 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 that's smithy no 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 that's uh adam smith they look really similar <laughs> do they i think so
2: oh i'll have to put, i'll put them i'll put the two of them together and see what they yeah put them together so i can see i need a picture of both of them together.
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah but um ian the um trumpet player he's came back now which is awesome so he's back to having like a like a big three-piece horn section oh nice um but yeah i i, I think this is how we should sound man like when it was just me doing trombone for the filaments it like it 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 sounded all right but it it just to me a trombone on it on its own doing that when it was initially meant to be like a three-piece horn section Mm. it just doesn't it just doesn't fill the gap on it for me Mm -hmm. but um yeah no i can't believe how quick it's gone being in that band
5: um i want to jump back real quick light year you guys you're in the band and you open for real big fish and sponge also were on the tour. Is that what you
1: said? Yeah, man, that was, that was the best.
5: Okay. So 2019. Um, so who, who plays who's first and who's supporting on that tour?
1: We swapped it. Okay. Each, each show we swapped it. So, um, first day, the first, the first day, first one was Oxford sponge open. Then the next day, uh, we opened, yeah. We just alternated through that, which made it. It just made it so much easier, man. And it, it's just so, like, I don't, I don't know, like, the, the, nobody. <laughs> when bands get to a certain status, no band really wants to open. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, it, it, someone's got to. Sadly, and it, it's just like it's just the easy answer, really, isn't it? Everyone's happy that way. As long as like the home, whichever one's closest to your home, like you're, you're like the main support. Then it, it doesn't really matter yeah um so yeah we ju- we just decided to swap it that way and just keep it like that but yeah that was like the, the best two weeks ever i didn't want to come back home <laughs> i really didn't want to come back home from that during that two weeks what happened
2: to neil's feet
1: oh god right neil is an amazing human being but he is stubborn as a mule <laughs> <laughs> he's he's uh he um, basically was in, he, he's basically been away uh, from Lightyear doing um, like a scuba diving instructor. And um, he was living over on like an island on the, uh, like off Thailand, I think it was. Yeah. And on his, like the last day where he was coming back home, he was playing football, but he played bare feet and his feet got infected um, and he decided he was going to see some when he came back, and then he got back, and he just, oh, do you know what? I just, ah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It will sort itself out. As long as I keep it clean and clear. Where well, the problem is, though, he wasn't keeping it clean. It was like he was wearing flip flops, but like walking through puddles and things like that. So he just got, just got infected. Bless him. And um, yeah, it it got to, I think it might be. Birmingham I think it was I think it was Birmingham where he was just he was just in absolute he, he just couldn't he couldn't walk on them anymore um and yeah we just basically we had to take it to the hospital and they just said yeah you 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 need to um this if you don't get this resolved now this is going to get septic like it was that bad um and wow. uh yeah so we, we literally uh we had to then work out what we were going to do. Were we were we going to carry on with the tour or not? And then we just we decided like we'd got this far and we we could do it. We were going to try one show without without him and see if it would work with the two with just the two horns. And then uh, um, Calvin, who's playing bass on that tour, and I were going to cover like he was going to take half of Neil's lyrics and I was going to take the other half. Um, and it, do you know what? Like it 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 worked out all right. We managed to pull it off. Um, it, it was missed though like his his stage presence is phenomenal yeah um but yeah it was um it was a it was a bit touching uh, touching cloth, should i say so in the end he had to go back home um which was just really gutty. because he's never missed a light year show he's never ever ever mm. missed a light year show so that that was really really hard for him i'm really curious so 2019
5: what what size room are uh, real big fish playing in in the uk in
1: 2019 So they were like academy. Um, so you're talking some of them, some of them varied. Um, you're talking at one and a half, one and a half thousand, one and a half thousand. Um, London, we played Islington Academy, that was like a thousand, but we did two days there. Um, so yeah, so it, yeah, they they pull a big crowd, man. They really do pull a big crowd, um, which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, as well as uh, bands like Less Than Jake as well they'll they'll pull huge like probably the, the same as real big fish um it's just a shame that like, other other bands don't pull that like mm-hmm. i'd i'd love to see like re- like big d big d in the kids table i'd love to see them they they deserve it like they've really worked hard on that on their craft and whatnot and they should be like pulling that and it's just a shame that people are literally just listen to real big real big fish and less than jake and and that's it not everyone but you know what i mean it's they're the ones that pulled a big audience but
5: i had heard that because uh, real big fish in the u.s it was um sell out was the big song and then um uh beer and uh take on yeah yeah, yeah. is that i i had heard that, the, that they got bigger a little later in the uk and it was from different songs or do i have it wrong
1: yeah it, you know what it I don't know if it would be from different songs, but so you guys like the the big scar. Do we have to call him Waves? But let's Let's call a scar boom. We had a big scar boom here. Yeah, the scar boom. So that that for you guys was like mid midnight, well early mid nineties.
5: Say ninety six and then ninety
1: seven were
5: probably the two million years. Yeah.
1: So right, okay. For us, it kicked off two thousand. Mm. It, it, it kicked off just that it was just that little slight um gap mm-hmm. so i would say from 2000 to 2003 four then it started to like dwindle down a little bit but um there, there was a point like early early 2000 for me um early 2000 for me i was always at the underworld pretty much every weekend i i was at i was at the underworld and it was it was a 500 cap venue and it was if it especially if it had like the household name logo on it it always sold out mm-hmm. that or um Moon Sky europe it, it it always sold out um but go back to the real big fish aspect of it i mean what what year was it the basketball came out
5: like 97 maybe 98 yeah, yeah. so i so by 2000 ska was considered a dead genre here and all of those bands they continued on but they weren't on the radio anymore.
1: Yeah. No, it was it like here here it was just kicking off. It was just kicking off in uh in like 2000s. Yeah. Um but I I would have said it was the same songs though, the same real big fish tracks.
5: So when you when at the at the shows like in 2019 was it like everyone went crazy for the songs that I named or was there other is there other songs
1: yeah 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 like every, every um every uh show that they played it ended with beer okay um and it ended with beer and it always opened with sell out okay um so yeah they were they were the they were they were the big ones um I'm trying to think what else what other songs they may have had that was really um what was the one that was on the the real big fish track that they that was on that football game? That may have actually been that may have actually been sellout. I think.
5: Mm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Do you know the football game, Adam? What like FIFA?
1: Yeah, it, it was. It was like a FIFA. Um, I'm pretty sure. Actually, it was. I'm pretty sure it was sellout. Makes sense. Yeah, but it was. Um, yeah, they, it was still the exact same songs, really. Um, yeah, and they were they were just so... the only way I could describe Real Big Fish live is like it was just so tight, it was rid- it ridiculously tight. Um, it was it, it was almost like where you've got <laughs> you got one one aspect of it you've got Lightyear, where you have no idea what Chaz is going to do on stage. Like I, I made the I made the uh, mistake of telling, um, uh, telling Chaz that I was uh, taking my pee bone, um, and it was made of plastic, and I was like, oh, it's, v- it's virtually indestructible. It's made of fiberglass, and all he heard in his head, he was like, virtually indestructible, you say? <laughs> Every show. Every show he was like, Oh Pook, let me let me let me have a look at your trombone. Mid gig this is, he would pick up my trombone and throw it into the audience, just launch it. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a there's a photo of it somewhere. I've been sent a photo of it. It's, it's absolutely like and, and everyone of course is absolutely howling with laughter and I'm just like mid-song, I'm just through the mic, just like I I kind of need that to play play my part. Can I? <laughs> can someone throw that back to me? Um, so yeah, <laughs> every show he did that, and the the stupid thing is, I didn't even learn my lesson to the last. I think it was like the last two days. I was like, "You're not touching this. This is like this is on its literally its last last little bits of hinge. <laughs> it's on its last hinges right now. So. Um, but yeah, so going back from the, the chaos of light year on stage to then going to like the really tight, um, we kind of know what we're going to say. We know who's going to speak, um, between the songs kind of thing. It was very one extreme to the other. It was both different, but it was both great at the same point.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I guess you kind of answer my answer, my next question. Cause Adam had pointed out earlier that light year, Maybe a little less unhinged now, but still having the unhinged energy. I was kind of curious, specifically opening for a band like will be real big fish that probably drew some audience that maybe were maybe not aware of you or maybe not you wouldn't go to a show. And how 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 that how you guys engaged with that audience and what what level of unhinged those shows were.
1: Oh, I think you know what I I. It's weird because there was definitely definitely a lot of people that went to that show to see light year there there was mm-hmm. no doubt about that yeah sure um and it, it's it's just hilarious when you see these people who like you're you're popping their light year cherry and in mid-song that uh, you all of a sudden the black beauty theme comes on and someone comes comes out as a panto horse and a horse jockey like just walks across the stage. Like it, it's just, and everyone's just looking like what the hell is going on? And then there'd be like these rainstick stick dancing that we'd be doing in the middle of it as well. It was, yeah, it was really, um, it just, it's, it, it just seemed like a, the only way I could describe a light year show is it's a party. It's, sure. it's, it's, you're there and, and it engages the audience in that way. Um. So yeah, there was a, a there was definitely a lot of new uh, a new fans made from from that tour. Definitely.
5: Can you explain the Black Beauty thing? What exactly? What exactly like was the, the that? The
2: theme, the theme <laughs> from the movie Black Beauty comes yeah. on, and then the and then the members of Lightyear are in a pantomime horse costume, and they come out on stage. That would be
1: me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so basically, you'd hear th- th- there's a song called Blindside um where it kind of stops in the middle and it it happens pretty much every single show something something quirky happens but then all of a sudden through the pa you hear this <laughs> and then basically chaz would be dressed as a jockey and i would be there as a <laughs> panto horse on hands and knees just like galloping across the stage um and everyone's just kind of looking at it, just really like, why are you doing this? And there's no rhyme or reason to doing it. <laughs> there's no there's no reason to do it. We just Chaz just does it and, and like just do it because they can. <laughs> what, what are you going to do yeah. if they want to stop mid song and have a picnic for 10, 15 minutes? What are you going to do about it? Not a lot. <laughs> yeah. You paid eight quid for that. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Not a lot. But yeah, it, it's just I don't know. Like it, there was a lot of people just feel I don't know. There, there was a lot of people I think just concerned. And felt like like if someone spikes my drink, why is why is Black Beauty all of a sudden appeared <laughs> on the thing and everyone's doing rain dancing? Yeah, it's just,
4: it's just brilliant fun, man. It's just an absolute party Thanks. I, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but,
2: um, Pook, you weren't, were you at the show where they came out on the, in the, with the pantomime horse, uh, during body count?
1: Oh, no, <laughs> but I wish I was.
2: <laughs> Aaron, have you heard about this? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just, we'll, we'll keep it short because I'd, I'd like to talk to them about it at some point, but they played a festival in body, go ahead. You go ahead, Pook.
1: So (sighs) never dare, never, (laughs) ever dare Chaz and Neil to do anything because they will, they'll fucking do it and they won't just do it. They'll, they'll smother it. They'll, they'll won't just cross that line. They'll stampede over it. So someone dared them, I believe, to um, go on mid-body count set as the panto horse and just walk around (laughs) on the (laughs) stage. And apparently, like they they got, oh god, I'm crying. Um, they <laughs> they they did it, and apparently they got chased off stage. They jumped on like a buggy and went to the <laughs> other side of the, of the um of the festival and kind of hid for a bit. And this is like Reading and Leeds Festival. So then there's the second. This is on the first day, and the the uh, second second day. Uh, no, the end of that, end of after doing that, sorry, um, one of their bouncers or something went up to them and just said, like, yeah, you better not do that again because Ice Cube's going to have you shot. Kind no, of thing. Ice tea. Oh, shit, yeah, it's Ice tea, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, cube, yeah. yeah. That's NWA, my bad. Um, so, yeah, so Ice T's going to basically have you shot. <laughs> and um, they were like, oh, okay. They were like, yeah, if you do that again, Oh, well, you just just say if you do that again, you'll have us. Well, should we find out? (laughs) So (laughs) the next day, the next day, not as bad, they went into the body count dressing room. Now, all you can see on this horse mask is you can see through the nostrils. And all they could see apparently was this big security guy, like this massive guy, like his arms crossed. And all he heard was. Ice tea is not amused <laughs> 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 and they just turned around and just left they're just oh just don't don't probe them because they will they will retaliate it was just genius absolute genius so what year was this that this happened oh god like i've I no do you know what i have no idea this was a while ago, yeah. Yeah, this would have been two thousand and maybe two thousand and six.
2: Okay. But re- really on my bucket list is to talk to Lightyear about this and then to eventually talk to Ice T about it. Like I really <laughs> wanna Yeah. I really wanna to talk to Ice T and be like, Do you remember playing Reading Reading Leeds Festival and a pantomime horse game on stage? And to see what he says. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, be so good you ready getting them on together
5: yeah that, i think <laughs> that's the real that's the real bucket list yeah the
1: yeah. most awkward conversation but like oh my man like if you you have to get Chaz on here because the, the, i'll give you a heads up the stories though if, if if you're literally just wanting an episode of Light Year Stories, you'll, you, you, you'll buckle in. It will be a long one, yeah, but it will be the most entertaining one ever. It, it's um, manic, but they're just honestly though, like the biggest, biggest sweethearts. Like love Chaz. Like Chaz is now starting um, a uh, music merch thing called Hawker. Uh, just like an online thing which is going really really well so yeah they're they're all working really really hard um and hopefully it'd be great if they could do something like have a new release in them
2: yeah speaking of working really hard let's hear about your label
1: yeah well you you're making it sound like i'm working really hard it's (laughs) it's the (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it's it's the majority of it is is my girlfriend katie she's uh absolutely she's like uh you know like how the the fat wreck thing where it's uh erin does all the work mike takes all the credit mm. it's it's it feels a little bit like that at the moment right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah I'll, I'll i'll go with that i'll roll with that yeah it's been um it's been an interesting one, especially doing it during the pandemic um it, it was, um, I'm trying to think when I started it, like the OmniGon album, that came out in 2019, mm-hmm. right? Again, yeah. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. That was really when it kind of first started because I tried to, it was, I played trombone on that. Yeah. And I wanted I wanted to get the album. But looking at the cost of like postage and then customs charge, it was like, I, I love that album, Adam, but I ain't paying 60 pounds for yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> it's uh, understandable yeah yeah yeah. so i got talking i can't remember how i got talking to um mike at bad time about helping him get his releases over in the uk because like kill lincoln phenomenal band and um would smash it over here um got talked to him and then he was like yeah i'll tell you what we'll arrange something where if i buy in bulk and like get a few of his releases all in one hit, and it would like overall it it'll make it a bit more affordable um so it all kind of really started from that really uh, so it started off as a distro um and i quite i don't know like i really enjoy like the i find it quite therapeutic in the sense of like um like but buying buying vinyl like when you collect vinyls i'm just like a huge vinyl geek like i've got loads of the stuff um so the way that i kind of saw it is that i was i was getting that bit of vinyl therapy of purchasing stuff but i was kind of like covering my costs with it as well Mm so i kind of got the got that uh got to go from that just starting off as a distro um and then we got we took on a few other labels as well Um, like overseas primarily just the overseas ones uh where we thought like the um bands deserve that kind of recognition um and then all of a sudden it it just kind of branched out into a label um i think we wanted to the beat the red light salt the lands um anniversary was coming up because that was going for 10 years and we'd always wanted to see a vinyl release off it so um we were like right okay so eddie and i um did a uh split release on that um just to kind of like have, have a bit of a guinea pig run i guess um and yeah it it just evolved and went went from there really and it's been the, the reception the response has been absolutely phenomenal
5: what are um what are some of the bands you've worked with um as original releases not um distro
1: yeah uh right okay so we started so the first one was to beat the red light salt the land's um, the ones got the mo was the Andy B in the world. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's
5: that's a great record.
1: What he pulled out of that. Uh, I, I literally didn't think was humanly possible.
5: That was the first record you did. That was not a reissue and not a distro then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was it. So tell me a little
5: bit, um, about how that came to, to came together. Um, did, did he reach out to you or were you at kind of like saying, you know, like, hey, I'm looking I'm looking for original records to release.
1: So he um I, I knew kind of Andy a little bit for his old band um <clears throat> Fandangle. And um uh, but not not that well. I really kind of got to know him through actually the real big fish tour because he was guitar teching and doing photography on that tour mm. um throughout the whole thing. So I got to hang out with him a lot there. Um and he from that point I kind of was checking out like after after that I was watching his YouTube content and he dropped um a snippet of frantic um which just completely blew me away um and not only that he what what he'd explained like on the videos like what he what his plan was what his vision was um and I was just like I have to be involved with it could you explain
5: what that vision is? Cause yeah, we kind of brushed over that just so people, anyone that's not familiar.
1: So basically it's called Andy B in the world. And basically the reason why it's called that is he travels around the, it's a bit harder to know obviously with COVID, but with this first one, he traveled around the world with a studio and recorded 172 different musicians for each playing different parts for each song. So each song will have a completely different lineup to the next song uh so you've got wow. you've got i think it's like 13 14 uh tracks on there so you'll have 13 14 different singers guitarists horn players um there's even like a 50 part freaking harmony barbershop quartet shenanigans going on on it on one bit like it, it's it's crazy what he's managed to pull out the bag um and some of the people that he's got of it so he's got like um members of Rubik fish less than jake rx Bandits, slackers um you you name it they've pretty much been they are pretty much been on there um so yeah he's he's just managed to pull that out of the bag and it, it's a phenomenal album um how he did that and didn't go bald I I don't know. <laughs> it's just I would have I, I find it like I said earlier like getting an eight piece band together is like herding kittens trying to uh juggle 172 musicians. Yeah. Is is that's next level.
5: <laughs> so so he was already he was working on it when you guys started discussing uh, the release or had he already finished it?
1: Yeah, yeah, he he'd already um he'd recorded the vast majority of it. Um then I no, because I, I I he was we were gonna we arranged to put it out that we were gonna put it out and then he asked me to do so yeah, he was still doing bits and bobs. Um I put trombone down to a couple of tracks as well. Um and uh yeah, he it was I don't know, it was it was just a phenomenal uh project to be involved with.
5: Yeah, no, I that record's I I think that record's amazing. I agree with you. Um the songwriting's great and the musicianship I there's certain songs where you can tell there's a lot of people on it <laughs> and it sounds great, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um but every so- but they don't it's weird. They all sound they've got a familiar sound to it. But it's all got different styles to it as well. There's like a bit of hip hop in there, a bit of um gypsy folk music there's there's lots of different styles going in there um i just it's a phenomenal record he he absolutely knocked it out of the park so yeah that was definitely a, a great album to start off as a label on definitely
5: i heard that he's working on a second record and he um intends to record on every continent including antarctica is that true <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Go big or go home, eh? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. He's um, yeah. That's that's his plan. That's that's his that's his plan. I mean, it, it hasn't. If it wasn't for lockdown and COVID, still, I think you think he would have gone by now. Um, I was going to be meeting up with him in uh, Japan uh, okay. at some point this year, but I think it's all been pushed back a bit. But yeah, that's that's his plan, and I think he's still um he's still planning to go ahead with it so yeah it'll be a good um
5: my question um for him is does he is he aware of an, an antarctica ska band that he's going to meet up there or is he bringing ska bands to antarctica
1: i think i think he goes to he's going there and then finding musicians oh, okay <clears throat> i don't know if they're i don't yeah i don't know if them um, i don't necessarily these are going to be all ska musicians but it's going to be musicians that are gonna play Scar. All right, <laughs> we're gonna introduce them to the world of Scar, <laughs> to the world right.
5: of Et. I'm into it. <laughs> so, um, what? Who? Who else have you? Uh, who else have you worked with and and have stuff coming out?
1: Oh blimey! So we've literally dropped earlier this week. Um, we're helping Distro, a band called Filthy Militia, which is a uh, sort of pop punk. Yeah, uh, reggae scar band. Yeah, great band. Yeah. Oh yeah 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 phenomenal band phenomenal band lovely guys as well uh so they've just dropped an ep so we're we're um helping them out with that um we've got we're waiting for um glory hunters mm-hmm. who are a russian ska-core band they may be familiar to a lot of people because they were on the um on the shape of scarpunk to come volume two um they were on that so um yeah they'll sound familiar to a few people um Yeah, just an amazing band. Um, It'd be awesome to try and get them to come over to the UK as well. Do a little tour and whatnot. Um, Then there's Rashambo, which I got to admit, I think that's a bit of an all-star band. So it's like ex-current members of, um, do you guys know Faintest Idea? Mm
5: -hmm. Yeah. Uh,
1: JB Conspiracy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's got it's got those guys, um uh another band called The Junk. I don't know if you've heard of them. They were like an old scarcore band, early noughties.
5: Not not familiar with them now.
1: Definitely worth checking out. Um so yeah, that, that was a bit of an all-star one. They're they're working on their album at the Mo, so um and then we're literally just waiting for the uh Redeemon, uh records which are getting pressed as we speak, which is like oh that's a dream come true like that's been uh oh that's been a long wait that one mm-hmm. but yeah i'll be i'll be super stoked to get that one out how many songs are on super. that
2: record Pook? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> i know where you're going with this it, it's a five track <laughs> mini mini album how's the, how long are the songs though pook about 19 minutes nice <laughs> nice no, it's not, it's not that bad i think the long, the longest one is like six minutes It's not that bad adam come on Aaron
2: pook sent me one of these songs early on <laughs> yeah and and he's like check this out this is this is the new band and i listened to it and i was like it's cool but like there's like three songs mashed into one song <laughs> <laughs> like each one of these songs has like movements Hey, like, like I said, man. Like you got to be taken on a journey. Yeah, you get, like, you get taken uh, on a journey for sure.
5: <laughs> oh yeah, it's like those black metal records where it's like four minutes of sort of building ambience, and then it goes. It's <laughs> so like a ska break, and then
1: that's it. then you go back down. Yeah, it's it's four minutes between each chicken. <laughs> <laughs> chicken. <laughs> yeah no I, mean, I I gotta be honest i think that's why we kept it to like five tracks yeah um because of uh, like that that reached about i think that was half an hour uh yeah. <laughs> so like for me if, if we started to go like salt the lands that was nine that was nine tracks yeah. and that was oh, i think that was like 45 45 50 minutes something like that yeah um but yeah so we um we got that (laughs) we got that press so yeah really really looking forward to getting that one done because that one was a like that started off like i started recording well i guess it was initially going to be a solo because i started recording it in 2015 just after um beat the red light disbanded um and then it's um basically i got it got to a certain point it was just taking so long to get it done um and by that point i'd started we started redeeming um and they were just like look let, let's just re-record this but as a whole band mm. it, it, it's it's i'm so glad i'm so glad that we did because it just sounds so much better um to have like instead of a jack of all trades trying to play it all to have like a king of one just like doing it it just yeah it makes so much more sense and it, it sounds so much better for it as well um so yeah super stoked with how that's came out yeah um but i mean like waiting for vinyl it's just so painful oh yeah like it's been I, like it, the vinyl industry at the moment is like waiting for initially i think back in the day you were waiting for like three months and now it you're almost looking at nine nine months like for, for from sending the mp3s and the artwork to getting the test press and receiving the actual records you're looking at uh the best part of uh, over half a year which is pretty pretty painful yeah
2: all these people who uh, have been making you know illicit nfts with you know cover art of bands without their consent maybe if they took some of this energy and put it into opening a record plant in the united states that'd be great <laughs> yeah <laughs> If they could do that, that would
1: be great. Yeah, anybody that can
2: order a, that can open a record plan at this point is gonna be really like swamped with orders immediately. God, yeah. Yeah,
1: you'd be literally yeah, business would be booming. It's um yeah, I mean like we've got the um in Wickham, we've actually we've got the uh pressing plant pack uh package sounds and they um do our pressing there as well as like a load of others like i think they do um like s bam fat wreck they they it's all pressed over there oh, that um, makes sense yeah yeah but it's um it, it's crazy like they uh <clears throat> i've got in there and done some work for them because i know um some of the guys there um and eddie works there as well like um filaments beat the red light um he works there as well and uh, they wanted um, me to have a look at one of the machines, and it, it's just like it's so. Those machines are huge and just so expensive. <laughs> it's um, it's nuts. But it's like you speak, you see, like see them in the office, and like the backlog and whatnot, and it's just like, oh man, it's, it, it, yeah, it, it's um, a long wait, a long, long wait. But uh, for me personally, it's my favorite format. So it's totally, totally worth it.
5: Thank you so much for listening to In Defense of Ska. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you normally stream or download episodes. If you haven't already... Grab a copy of my book, In Defense of Scott, available at clashbooks.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. It's at In Defense of Scott. And please consider joining our Patreon at patreoncom backslash Ska. You will get monthly bonus episodes, extended interviews and commentary per episode, and access to the In Defense of Scott Discord. In defense of Ska would not be possible without the great team that tirelessly works on it every week. So you should go check out their other projects as well. Co-host Adam Davis has an amazing band called Omnigon. Give them a follow on Instagram and Twitter. It's simply at Omnigon. And our editor, Chris Reeves, has a phenomenal record label and podcast called Ska Punk International. For more information, go to skapunkinternational.com. And if you've ever enjoyed one of the highly specific In Defense of Ska memes floating around the interwebs, it was likely the work of The Bands I Like Only Charge $18. Find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On that note, we leave you by saying Ska Now More Than Ever.